0: Hi everyone, it's Jules. Welcome to this episode of All Things Iceland, which is all about strange or surprising facts about Iceland. I'm gonna share 15 in particular. And the idea is just to share a short episode of some fascinating facts, at least in my mind, that range in like regards to different areas about Iceland. Because why not? I think it's kind of fun to share these types of things, and some of them might really surprise you. I'd love to know if that's the case in the comments on this post on allthingsiceland.com. Also, if you hear my voice sounding a little bit different, because I was ill, unfortunately. I had COVID first time, and it was not fun. So for all those who have had it, I hope you've recovered well. It is super intense. I know that so many people are still battling with it in terms of, you know, wherever you're living and things of that nature, but... I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. And of course, if you're enjoying this episode and the podcast, it was greatly appreciated if you leave a review on whatever platform that you are listening on. And of course, share it with somebody if you think they would find it interesting. So the first of the surprising facts is that most of the land of Iceland is uninhabited. And that's because it's actually uninhabitable. Meaning, like, you can't grow things on the land, it's really volatile weather, you can't build houses there because of how volatile the weather is, or like the earth that's there, it might be like black sand and all these things. So, inside the middle of the country are the highlands, and this is a lot of the area in which takes up the land that is uninhabited, and it's a beautiful place to go. I actually have some episodes coming up talking about the highlands. Getting access to get into there and things like that nature. But it is always so surprising to people to think that Icelanders live along the coast, and so many of them. And that's because they cannot actually live in the highland area. So, just something very you to know whenever you come or just looking at a map about Iceland, because it's pretty intense to think that so much of the landmass of this country is, is not able to be used in that way for people to live here. Number two is that beer in Iceland was illegal for 74 years and it was made illegal in 1915 so it basically had like a prohibition here so of course you know people were brewing or making their own alcohol in fact there is an alcohol in iceland that is called lante and it's an actual real alcohol now but there that lante name is a name given to Icelandic moonshine and that, of course, was quite popular during Prohibition in Iceland. And people, I think, still make it. But anyway, so it was outlawed or made illegal in 1915 and then, and then made legal again on March 1st, 1989. And the date specifically, March 1st, is important because every March 1st since 1989 has been labeled as Björdagur in Iceland, otherwise known as Beer Day. So if you happen to be in the country on that day... A lot of people are celebrating drinking beer because it was made legal. And of course, you know, having fun downtown or wherever it is that they live. Number three is that during the month of Thorre. So Thorre is a month on the old Norse calendar. And during that time, which is like January into February, Icelanders take part in something called a Thorraplot. And it's, in essence, a gathering in which Icelanders eat the traditional foods of their ancestors. And some of these foods are fermented shark, so rotten shark, pickled ram's testicles, sheep's head, boiled sheep's head in particular, and things of that nature. I mean, there's obviously other foods that are delicious and (laughs) more appealing, but I always find it really fascinating that all of these foods... Get included, and there's a lot of like partying and drinking and singing, and it's just a good time. And also, kind of just you know, ode to their ancestors having gone through such hard times and finding out ways to preserve food and eat and survive in this environment. Number four is that during the summertime, if you're not aware of this, Iceland has 24-hour bright days, so the sun does go below the horizon in Iceland, in what would be considered the evening time. So there's no actual night, meaning the sky doesn't get dark enough for it to be nighttime or at least feel like nighttime. But the sun does go below the horizon and depending on where you are. So in the south, uh, it will go below the horizon for longer, maybe a couple hours. And then in the north, it might go to, you know, below the horizon for an hour. So we've already passed the longest day of the year, which is June 21st, but still throughout the summer in June, July, and parts of August, we pretty much have 24-hour bright days. And personally, I love it because you can go on adventures and be out till late and things of that nature. For some people, it's really difficult because you need a face mask and curtains and all that. Totally understandable. But for many, it's pretty surprising to know that this is the case when you come to Iceland. And then on the flip side of that, so number five is that The shortest day in Reykjavik, which is in the wintertime, is around four hours, which means that the sun is physically in the sky for that amount of time. And then it goes back down below the horizon again. The time frame in which it gets dark, of course, the the day is mostly dark. So I remember when I first moved and going to work in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, the sun's still not up. Pitch black outside. Same thing with like up until 11 o'clock, which is when you get to the shortest day of the year. And that can be really difficult if you're working inside all the time and the sun comes up at 11 and then it sets at around three. And so by the time that you leave work, you've come to work in the darkness, been there for a couple hours in darkness, the sun sets, it's dark again by the time you leave at like five o'clock. So really intense. And of course, this means an alteration in Travel plans for many people who come to the country and just knowing that this is the case that you have to take into account these amount of hours. I will have a link in the show notes of this episode about where you can look up time, date and brightness for that day whenever you're coming so that you can be able to help yourself plan so that you know like how much daylight hours you would have, especially if you're coming in the wintertime. Number six is, again, one which we are talking about the old Norse calendar. And the first day of summer in Iceland is actually in April. And this always makes me laugh because it just seems absurd. But if you think about it from perspective of Icelandic people, like meaning their ancestors... When they followed the Old Norse calendar, it was split up into two seasons, winter and summer. And so six months for winter, six months for summer. And in essence, the first day of summer in April, it doesn't mean that you're going to have summer weather. In fact, it usually rains. It's kind of cloudy and not warm at all. It actually could snow as well. But it means that you've gotten past the worst of winter. You're, you're in essence in the clear. So that's at least something to celebrate. And it is a national holiday. And it falls, I believe, after like April 24th or like the last Thursday or something like this in April. So it is a fun, festive time, even if the weather's not that great, because again, it means that we've gotten past the worst of winter. And it is pretty funny how much Icelanders kind of hold on to these traditions, even if they themselves don't really feel that connected to it because so much of their lives have changed. But I guess also when you think about how long, it wasn't that long ago where Icelanders were living in conditions where this was still really important for them, meaning like living in turf houses and and things of that nature. Number seven is that many people have heard about the Mid-Atlantic Rift. Many of you have not. So the Mid-Atlantic Rift is a mountain range. It's actually the largest mountain range, I believe, in the world, but it's underwater. And in this valley, this rift valley, you have the meeting of the North American and Eurasian tectonic plates. But they're slowly drifting apart because obviously, you know, this mountain range is growing and and things are just pulling apart. Now, the Mid-Atlantic Rift goes pretty much through the middle of Iceland. I mean, it's not directly cutting it in half, but for the most part, it's almost half, which is amazing in itself. So the fact that these two plates are pulling apart means that Iceland is being pulled in half. But due to the fact that the country has so much volcanic activity underneath it, there's land that's always created to kind of fill back in, even though these plates are drifting apart by like two centimeters a year. By the way, it's not something that's very noticeable. But at the same time, if Iceland didn't have this volcanic activity happening underneath it, then it would be noticeable because eventually the country would just rip in two and then keep, you know, drifting apart as time continued on. Number eight is that there are over 130 words in the Icelandic language just to describe the wind. Number nine is that there's no passenger train in Iceland. There once was a train, a short line, that was built in order to carry materials. And there's a replica of what this train and the short line tracks would look like down by the old harbor in Reykjavik. So you could always check that out. But yeah, no passenger train never has been. It's been talked about to build a train line from Havnafjöður to the airport in Kaplvík. But that hasn't happened and no funds have been put toward it. Number 10 is that there is not Uber or Lyft or any legal ride sharing service in Iceland. And I say not legal because, of course, people always find ways around things. I mean, just like we talked about prohibition, things of that nature. Whenever there's a lack of something or the potential for having something like this where you could save money, of course, people figure it out. But the taxi service in Iceland pretty much has what I guess you can call a monopoly on that. And I believe it's been, you know, hasn't gone through as being allowed to have Uber or Lyft in the country. I've heard about potentially a service of which like people could rent out their own cars for people to use. So pretty much just trying to decrease how much people are using or buying cars just as individuals. That has yet to be seen, but the whole point is that many people who come here, they often ask me like, oh, what about Uber or Lyft or something like this? And it's like, yeah, no, nope, <laughs> that doesn't exist here. And maybe it never will, but we'll see. It's kind of interesting because when I go back to the United States to visit, uh, it's always so amazing how easy it is to get a car like that. And the cost is not very much, whereas I've taken a taxi before when I was living in Mosvetsbied, so that's maybe a 15, 20 minute drive from downtown Reykjavik. But in a taxi, it will cost, at the time, it cost 9,000 Icelandic kroner. In today's amount of money exchange-wise, maybe that's like $70 or something. It might have been even more back then just because the exchange rate, like it's so much more in the favor of the dollar at the moment. But that's a lot of money, <laughs> especially for 15, 20 minutes. Just my opinion. So I don't take a taxi, obviously. And sometimes they're bringing it back now for the summer that they have a night bus and that's great, but that's not always available. So, you know, you figure out things like I mentioned when you need it and people have definitely been doing that in their kind of their own ways, but I don't advertise what that is just because it isn't legal and I don't want to, you know, partake in any, in giving advice about something that would be (laughs) potentially, you know, getting in other individuals into trouble. Number 11 is that there is not a McDonald's in Iceland. And I actually put this up on TikTok and I heard some Icelanders being like, yeah, but there's Metro. So Metro is owned by the same person who owned McDonald's. And during the 2008 crash, it became unsustainable for this individual who owned McDonald's to keep it going. He was saying that the cost, because he had to import certain types of onions and all this other stuff, because it's just McDonald's has their own standard. They want everything to be uniform. When you go to different countries, you get the same Big Mac and all that jazz. So he was saying that the cost to import some ingredients like just a kilo of onions was just as expensive as buying like a bottle of whiskey or something like that, you know? So it was just like, it didn't make sense. And so he ended up ending the franchise or ending his ownership in 2009 and then ended up opening a Metro. So if you drive around Reykjavik, you'll probably see Metro's. Those are the alternative to not having a McDonald's, and many Icelanders, though, that I talked to about this, are proud they don't have a McDonald's. And many people who come to visit are like, "What? That's weird. They don't have McDonald's." But there's other things like Subway, and there was a Quiznos. I don't think it's here any longer. There was a Dunkin' Donuts. There's Domino's. Like there's like different um, U.S. franchises that are definitely here. So it's not the case that there aren't any at all. It's just, I think it's probably still the biggest fast food chain in the world happens not to be here. And I've ever heard of some people saying that they like to travel to different countries specifically to try McDonald's. I mean, not only that, but as one part of their travels. But at the moment, not something you would be able to do in Iceland. Number 12 is that Iceland won a war against the British. And technically it's, it's three well, people say three three wars, but all together, it's called the Cod Wars. And yes, it was overfishing and the ability to fish within certain limits that were considered Icelandic waters. And, you know, the British were in what they felt was their right fishing there and all this stuff. I mean, I actually have an episode that I think I might have done already about this on the podcast. If I haven't, then I will make sure... To do it, but if I have, then I'll link it in the show notes. It's kind of funny when you get to a certain point, and you're like, wow, what episodes have I done? Because I have so many written down <laughs> idea wise. But if I, yeah, like I mentioned, if I do have it, I will talk about like, I will link it for sure. But it's just amazing to think of the superpower that was defeated by this small island nation in the North Atlantic. <laughs> and to this day, Islanders are very proud that they won those wars. Number thirteen is that the eruption of the volcano Lackey in the seventeen hundreds lowered the global temperature by a few degrees, which is insane when you think about it. But all the ash that ended up coming from this eruption, it was blocking the sun. I mean, there was even in the UK they talk about this red summer that they had, and it was like documented. And on top of that, as a surprising fact if that's not enough already. And also ash was found in like Africa. Like it was, it spread so far. But on top of this, it said that some years after Lahki had erupted, that people feel like the French Revolution was a direct result, or at least Iceland had a, a panned play in this. Because of the fact that people couldn't grow crops, it was like lower temperature. All this stuff was happening. Things were already boiling in France, so it's not like this is the only thing. But of course, people were hungry, and then the nobles, this royalty, you know, are not being sensitive to the fact that things are happening and the people are suffering. That you know got to a boiling point, and there was a revolution. So uh, it's just kind of funny to think about, or surprising in some ways to think about Iceland having a A role to play in this. Indirectly, in that, like the country itself wasn't, you know, trying to dictate anything, but the mere fact that the volcano from this particular place going off set into motion events for that to be possible is pretty cool. Number 14 is that at the Sorcery and Witchcraft Museum that's in Holmvik here in Iceland, there's a replica of pants that are said to be made out of human skin. Yeah, very strange. And so the idea was that, and I won't go, I'm actually going to make a separate episode about this because I think it's kind of funny, the story, but in essence, sorcerers would make these pants in order to become wealthy. And the whole way like, to do this is just disgusting. <laughs> it's not, not recommended and not... Something that was easy either, and it well also was something that if you were to do it, there's a good chance you know because there's, there's Christianity here, of course, and there still is, but at this time, something that was even more intense regarding Christianity is that you would in essence go to hell unless you did something specific not to, so yeah, just a surprising fact, and going to that museum is just interesting in general because there's so many things that you learn about even like the types of magic and different types of spells and objects that were used in order to get results or have said to get results that was of interest to certain individuals. Number 15, and the final one, is that even though Iceland is the name of the country, only about 10 to 11 percent of Iceland is covered in ice. So I'm going to do an episode about how Iceland got its name because I've heard so many people talk about like Greenland is really icy and Iceland is really green. It's like, it's not exactly that in terms of, yes, Greenland has a lot more ice covering it than Iceland for sure. But people think that the name giving had to do with like marketing campaigns for Iceland and that's, that's less of the case. Whereas like Greenland, it seems to be, you know, this want to make it seem like it's much more of a hospitable or inhabitable place when, you know, it's pretty intense it's in the Arctic Circle. So anywhere in the Arctic Circle will have its challenges for sure. Of course, that's not to say that Iceland doesn't, even though only a small part of Iceland is in the Arctic Circle. For the Icelandic word of the episode, I'm going to use "skriten," which means weird <laughs> or strange, just because I'm sharing some facts that are kind of strange and I also really like using that word. Like even saying the phrase It's like that that's weird. This is so strange. <laughs> when you do see something that's kind of strange and I just like saying it. So I'll say it slower. Skritin, skritin. And then when I said tharaskrith, it was a change in skritin to skretith because of the fact that I'm talking about A neutral thing and the nominative of the word is usually in the masculine. Since I've already shared a lot of random facts, I mean, this whole episode was about that. I'm not going to share any for that particular section. However, definitely know that I will take some of these facts I talked about. I've only given a little bit of information and make them into episodes, kind of like short episodes explaining them more in detail because there are some interesting stories like I mentioned about the human skin pants and the cod wars and things like that. Before I end off I want to give a shout out to the reviewer Di Chosi or D-I-C-H-O-I-S-I who reviewed the podcast on Apple podcast reviews and the title is great information. I started out watching her YouTube channel and moved to the podcast. Very good information ideas. Thank you Jewel. Well, thank you very much, Dai Chosi. And for any of those who would like to get a shout out on the podcast, feel free to leave a review and you might hear your review on the show. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the